I'm titling today's message, Seven Keys to an Open Heaven. Seven Keys to an Open Heaven. Get a hold of these and apply them, and it can change your life, and it can put you on a pathway that will cause the destiny that God has for you to be fulfilled. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. Amen. Now, God, when He created you, when He created me, you and I have been created in the very image of God, in His very nature. We are partakers of His divine nature. We are created and we are to have His likeness, His very character. We are to function in His authority. We were created to be the expression of Him in the earth. We were created to have dominion, to have authority, and to live in an intimate communion, fellowship with God Almighty, the creator of all things, the creator of the heaven and the earth, who has become our father by virtue of the new birth. Now, God himself, who is the all, every, or the, he's the omniscient, omnipresent, he is the all-powerful, self-sufficient, in within himself, and we are to be sufficient in his sufficiency. God wants to be all things to you, in you, and through you. This is wonderful. This is absolutely awesome. But now, as wonderful, and this is great, this, this, is, this is the very essence of God's dream for you and I. But it is not within man... To order his steps, to do to, to, to order his ways. It is not within man, within man to be able to accomplish any or all of these things. But rather, it is done not by might nor power, but it is done by the Spirit of the living God. In other words, God's dream for you and I is not something that we are capable of accomplishing within ourselves. It has to be done by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? He knows the plan, he has the script, and he knows to get it done. Now, our part is to find out, to learn, to understand, and to cooperate with him. Amen? But he is committed to getting that done. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, to live in the realization and the fulfillment of these things. God's tremendous dream in order to live in the realization and have these things fulfilled in our lives, it takes the power of the Holy Ghost. But these dreams, this which God has in mind, I'm calling it, and it really is, it is literally having an open heaven over your life. It is having an open heaven over your life. And so this message today is seven keys by which you can have that open heaven over your life. Now, it's obvious that it's going to require the working of the Holy Ghost because it's only He that can do it. But what does this open heaven over your life look like? It is God being able to do above and beyond what you and I can ever ask or think. It is God being able to do according to His own good pleasure, where He is not limited 
by us and our unbelief and our ignorance. Now, the truth of the matter is, that is why we have to get our minds renewed. Because, yes, we can limit him by our traditions, by our ignorance, etc., etc. But now, he wants those things to be removed, and that is why we need understanding. But ultimately, what he wants to do, what he wants to accomplish, those things he wants to accomplish, that's what an open heaven looks like. God's dreams fulfilled. Amen? Now, it is, can only be done by the person of the Holy Spirit. It says where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, in this message today, what I want to do is, I'm going to share with you, from the depths of my own heart, I'm going to share with you what God has been sharing with me. And it is an invitation for you to come and live underneath this open heaven that God has for us. It's an invitation. Amen? You're invited. Do you, are you taking the invitation? You're, okay, good. Well, praise the Lord. All right. Now, here is what you need to do once you accept this invitation. This is what you got to do to experience this open heaven over your life. And I'm calling, and I'm, and I'm, and it's, it's seven keys to an open heaven. This is the strategy you need to take. Applying these seven keys to this open heaven. Now obviously, since it's only the person of the Holy Spirit that can bring this about, then it would mean that these seven keys to an open heaven must be directly connected to the person of the Holy Spirit. For it is not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit. So these very seven keys to an open heaven will also be the very keys that will connect you with the person of the Holy Spirit so that he can do what he needs to do, what he desires to do to bring fulfillment of the dream of God in your life. Now that makes this message tremendously serious and, and, and makes this message exceedingly important for you and I to capture it and, 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 and apply it. This is your life. This is your destiny. This is you becoming all that God has designed and ordered and ordained for you to do, to be, irregardless of anything or anyone ever dead, any devil or any demon. Because the Holy Ghost is that spirit. And where he is Lord, there is liberty. The limitations are removed and you are able to be in that broad place where the will of God could be done on earth as it is in heaven in your life. Are you with me? Now, I'm saying all of that so as to bring a tremendous emphasis and seriousness to this message so that you can stretch out and you can say, Lord, I got to get this. And then give me grace that I would be able to do it. Because the fact of the matter is, you doing this, there are other people's lives that are dependent on you fulfilling your destiny. So really, it's not about you, but it is about you. It is about you and what you do. But it's not about you because what you do will affect others. Glory to God. All right, now in, in, in 2015, I had picked up, I, I, I picked up my car from the garage after having a routine oil change. All right, just a routine oil change. Now, when I picked it up, the mechanic told me that there was some particular, um, some particular issue that he found in the car and that he fixed it and so on. 
Something that was wrong, and he said he fixed it. Now, it was not something that I was aware of. I was not aware about it. But anyway, he fixed it. Praise the Lord. Now, later on that day, that evening, as we were driving to church, down, for those locally, down the Red Hill Creek, right? The Lord told me this, and I'm saying it because it is so important and it so connects with this message. The Lord told me this. He says, there is a place where you can live and if you learn to live in this place, there are things you will not even need to pray about. It's just going to happen. I don't know about you, but that's a nice, uh, that sounds good. There are things that you would not even have to pray about. It will just happen. There is such a place if you can learn to live in this place. Now, would you like to know what that place is? I'll tell you what that place is. It's Matthew chapter 6. Verse 33, where Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When he said all these things, he was referring to what you, you're not going to have to be concerned about what you're going to eat, or what you're going to drink, or what you're going to wear. He says, Those things will be added unto you just by you seeking prioritizing, going after, pursuing the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Now, I want to say to you today, now when Jesus says all these things, oh man, he meant all these things. In fact, he meant more than what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear. By all things, he really meant all things. He meant Ephesians 1 verse 3. This fact that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. He, he was talking about all of that. He was saying you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and every spiritual blessing whereby you've been blessed with in heavenly places in Christ will be fulfilled and you wouldn't even have to, to pray about it. He was saying in 1 Corinthians 3, 21, where it says all things are yours. It was talking about that. He was talking about 2 Peter 1, verse 3. God has given unto you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. In fact, he was talking about the very dream that God has for you. The dream of God for your life. That you might be a partaker of his divine nature. That you would be conformed to his character and to his, and to his very person. That you would manifest his life. That you would manifest his authority. That you would be an expression of him. That you would live in this intimate communion fellowship with him. He was talking about all of those things when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things shall be added unto you. Live in this place, he says. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things shall be added unto you besides. So that place. That place is the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom of God. It is that realm where God has complete dominion. It is in that realm or that sphere where the influence of God is dominant. Where God rules. Therefore we are talking about lordship. Are you with me? It is talking about lordship. It was talking about the, the influence. It is talking uh, um, uh, the, 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 that influence of God in that, that realm. And the scripture says that when you were born again, that the kingdom of God moved on the inside of you in your born again spirit. Luke chapter 17 verse 21. 
The kingdom of God is within us. What does that mean? It means for the person that is born again, even if he's not walking right, even if he's stumbling, even if he's not yet mature, in his born again spirit is the kingdom of God. It's God's reign. It's God's dominion. It's God's influence. It's God's lordship. And everything within his spirit is subject to God and is underneath the influence and the rule and the dominion of the spirit of the living God. Now, the thing is, that needs to get to the outside. Say, the kingdom of God is in me. So, that kingdom of heaven, you see, is where God rules supremely. What is it like in heaven? Matthews referred to it as the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, where God has absolute rule and authority and dominion and lordship, where everything breeds his life, where everything is subject to him, everything oozes out the very fragrance of his being. And Jesus says the will of God is that it might be on earth as it is what? In heaven. So Jesus says, pray this way, the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, may that kingdom of God, may that kingdom that is in heaven, where everything is aligned and underneath his influence, may it be that way on earth as well. May it be that way first in your spirit, but in the entirety of your life. So much so that it is even to the point that it will come, as it says in Revelations chapter 11 and verse 15, that all the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God. So that this whole earth will be filled with the glory and with the knowledge of the Lord as water cover the sea. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is the objective of God's rule coming first into you as in your in a new birth but it is also to even expand to the end to all of creation so now when the kingdom of god is allowed by the application of the principles and the keys of the kingdom when the kingdom of god is allowed to reign to rule overall what happens everything bows Psalms 103 verse 19 says the kingdom of God rules over all. Jesus said that when he, when he anointed his disciples and he go out and he, uh, to minister and to heal the sick and to raise the dead and to cast out devils. He says whenever these things happen, let them know. Let them know that the kingdom of God has just come near. Let them know when that demon is cast out, when that, when that person is healed, when that deliverance takes place, let them know that this is the manifestation that the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the reign of God, the dominion of God, the influence of God has just been made manifest. Amen. Alright. So, you and I have that kingdom of God within us. And the whole earth, you can, and God wants you and I to have this experience. Jesus says, if you function in this place, all these things shall be added unto you. In Deuteronomy 11 verse 21, it says, you shall have days of heaven on earth. Isn't that wonderful? What is it like in heaven? Days of heaven on earth. There ain't no sickness in heaven. There is no oppression in heaven. There is no anxiety or fear. There is no lack of days of heaven and earth. Thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the result of this open heaven is blessings. It's blessings. It's dominion. It is us being transformed and conformed to the image of God, to the image of Christ. It is us fulfilling. It is the dream of God being fulfilled in our lives. Hallelujah. So that place is the kingdom of God that Jesus was talking about. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his righteousness and his righteousness. That righteousness is also the place that Jesus was talking about. But now you see that righteousness, check this out now, this is the way of the kingdom. This is the way of the kingdom. This is how you operate the kingdom. This is the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is the way of righteousness. And Jesus said, live here. What do you mean this is the way of the kingdom? This is the way of the kingdom. Well, in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, it says the scepter of the kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. In other words, the scepter, the, the, the core centrality of righteousness is the core centrality of the kingdom. And, and that scepter of righteousness, that, 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 that instrument, that power of righteousness is the very thing is the scepter of the kingdom, is what activates and releases that kingdom. The kingdom of God is released when you are praying for the sick, when you function in authority of the name of Jesus. The kingdom of God is released when you are casting out a devil in the name of Jesus. You dumb, foul spirit, I command you, come out of him. What happens? It's the kingdom of God that is activated. Why? Because you exercise the authority of righteousness. What I am saying is the scepter of the kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. That is why I say Jesus says get a hold of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because this righteousness is the way of the kingdom. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Say the way of the kingdom. That righteousness, the way of righteousness. Now listen to this verse of scripture. Proverbs chapter 8. Now remember, we are talking about an open heaven. What does that look like? What does that feel like? What does it involve? The blessings of the Lord. Proverbs 8 verse 20 and 21 says, and it's speaking, I wisdom and the fear of the Lord. Walk in the way of righteousness. Or leads or traverses and functions. I wisdom and the fear of the Lord. Walk in the way of righteousness. Walk in the way of righteousness that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth. In other words, in this way of righteousness, wisdom, the wisdom of God, the fear of the Lord says, come on my child, let me guide you. Let me guide you. I'm going to take you on a pathway. And this pathway I'm going to take you on, just follow me. It's going to be the way of righteousness. And it's going to bring you into wealth. It will cause you to inherit wealth. What am I saying? I'm just pointing out that this way of righteousness, I don't know about you, but wealth is blessings. 
And it's not just wealth financially, it's wealth in every area. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 4 says, Righteousness delivers even from death. Glory to God. It speaks in Romans chapter 8 verse 11. Hallelujah. That, that 8 verse 10, it says that righteousness is life. In other words, um, your spirit has this life. Because of righteousness. And you see the life of God is where the healing power is. So Romans 8 verse 11 says, The same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. How? By his spirit that dwells on the inside of you. In Galatians 3 verse 21, it speaks about again about that life. Romans 5 verse 10, that life. Where Romans 5 verse 10 says, for instance, it says... um. If when you were dead in your sins, if you were declared righteous, when you were dead in sins, let me, let me, let me get this precisely. For if when you were enemies, you were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, man, being reconciled is pretty good. When you are enemy, you are reconciled with the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That means healed, delivered, all of it by that life of God that is in you. But that life is there because of righteousness, because of oneness. The life that is in the, the sap that is in the vine is in the branch. So Proverbs, so, so then, this righteousness delivers from death. This righteousness, the pathway of this righteousness, will lead and produce wealth. Now listen to Isaiah 45 and verse 8. Isaiah 45 and verse 8. Now we're talking about what does this open heaven look like? Isaiah 45 and verse 8 says, Rain down, you heavens. From above. And let the skies pour down. You say pour. You like pour? Amen. Let the skies pour down righteousness. And let the earth open. And let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. So as righteousness is poured down. What comes up is salvation and righteousness. But you see, salvation is wholeness, it's deliverance, it's prosperity, it's freedom, it's liberty, it's the goodness of God, it's the blessings of the Lord. All of that comes up. Why? Because righteousness is poured down. This is the way of the kingdom. Jesus says, you go after that righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Righteousness pours down. And what happens? Because of righteousness pouring down and all of this salvation and righteousness becoming available, the Amplified says, there are heaven-born possibilities. In other words, there are heaven-born possibilities. Possibilities that only exist in heaven becomes available on earth. Meaning what? It can be on earth as it is in heaven. Days of heaven and earth. Why? Because of this massive pouring down of righteousness. No wonder Jesus, 
who had revelation will say, look, man, don't get concerned about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear or anything else for that matter. Because, look, just go after this kingdom of God and this righteousness and all these things going to be added onto you. You'll be blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You will, the dream and, uh, that God has for you will be fulfilled. You will live into a, in a place where you'll be able to see and hear and all of these other things. So he said, you learn to live here. There is a place. You learn to live here, and there are things you wouldn't even have to pray about. Amen? You believe that? Amen. So this way of righteousness produces what? The blessings of an open heaven on your life. Hallelujah. Now, what we do see is that both the kingdom of God and the way of righteousness and the way of righteousness is what activates the kingdom. We see both the kingdom of God and the righteousness. We see both of them producing what? The benefits of an open heaven. Alright? Do we see that? Alright. They both position you for an open heaven. You see, God desired to do these things. But we got to be positioned for it. We've got to be positioned for it. If it's raining over here and you want to get wet, you can't be over there where it's not raining. Are you with me? I don't want to get wet. With the, with the righteousness of God and with the blessing, I say I want to get wet. I want to live underneath God's open heaven. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So both righteousness and the kingdom of God positions you as such. Question, what is common to the kingdom of God and to this righteousness? This righteousness that rules and activates the kingdom of God. What is common? What is common? The answer, both of them characteristically by definition have a oneness with God. The kingdom of God is God's rule, God's dominion. Everything submitted to him, his lordship. And righteousness is that oneness. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So oneness is common to them both. But that oneness, listen to this, is realized in the person of the Holy Spirit. It is realized in the person of the Holy Spirit. So even as the oneness is common and that oneness is realized in the person of the Holy Spirit, then the person of the Holy Spirit is what is common to the kingdom of God and to this way of righteousness. Now remember, all of this wonderful stuff, this open heaven lifestyle can only be done not by might nor by power, but by the person of the Holy Spirit. So it should not be a surprise that we now find that what is common is the very person of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 14 verse 17 says, the kingdom of God, it's not meat and drink. What is it? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That Holy Ghost is common to the kingdom of God. It's in the Holy Ghost. It's common to righteousness. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, the way of, so, the, 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 the kingdom of God absolutely is in the Holy Ghost. But it's so connected to righteousness. Jesus 
The way of righteousness. Say the way of righteousness. And righteousness is oneness with him. Well, Jesus said, I am the way. Did he say that? In John 14, 6. And it also says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, Jesus is your righteousness. Christ is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Christ is made unto you righteousness. So to walk in the way of righteousness is to walk in Christ. To walk in the way of righteousness is to be as Jesus is. Can you see that? Because he is the way. Righteousness is oneness with him. So to walk in righteousness is to walk in oneness with him. To walk in oneness with him is to walk as he walked. And First John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are you in this world. Flip it around. As he is, so are you to be in this world. Say oneness. Now, this oneness is so extreme that we cannot exaggerate it. You know, if a pin was lost in a, in a haystack, you can't find it. If your life is so hid with Christ in God that you can't find it, all it is you could find is Christ. If you are so, Romans 13 verse 14, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And be clothed with him. In another place it says in Galatians 3 verse 27. As many as have been baptized into Christ. Have put on Christ. This oneness. This, 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 this as I said it is so extreme. Jesus said look here. This is how much this oneness is. This is how much you are to be consumed by me. Colossians says you are, you, are, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians 3 verse 3 and 4. And Christ himself is your life. Jesus put it this way. Jesus said in John 6 53. Except you eat this bread and drink this cup. And except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. He says you cannot have my life. Because my flesh is Meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Was he trying? Was he preaching some cannibalism? No. What he was saying is, you got to be so consumed with me, and that's how my life can take you over. Oneness, amen. No, you know why I feel that way about communion? Because there's so much to it. So this oneness that is found in the righteousness. That is found in the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit himself is the expression and the embodiment of that oneness. Listen to John chapter 14. Verse 16 to 20. Jesus speaking. He says, and I will pray the Father. And he will give you another comforter. He will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him. Nor know him. But you know him. For he dwells with you. Well through Jesus. And he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while. A little longer. And the world will see me no more. But you. You are going to see me. 
Because I live, you will live also. Now listen to verse 20. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. You are going to know the reality of that oneness. And that's the day of the Holy Spirit coming upon us, coming within us. And, and oh, that he might have government over our lives. Oh, that he might have lordship, because when he does, then, uh, then this open heaven and all that God has will begin to be made manifest in our lives. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit, this oneness for both the kingdom of God and righteousness comes down to the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. So to pursue the kingdom of God and to pursue that righteousness, you must pursue the lordship of the Holy Spirit. So 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, The Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. All that needs to be done to accomplish the dreams of God being fulfilled in your life. Living in a place of the blessings and hearing and seeing and, and, and functioning. All that needs to be done. It is not within our own ability that we can do that. But it's not by might. It's done by the Holy Spirit. In other words then, all that needs to be done in your life. It's the working of the Holy Ghost. So it says in Philippians 2 and verse 13 that the God, the Holy Ghost, is at work within you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And it says in Psalms 57 and verse 2 that it is the Holy Spirit that performs all things for you. He is the performer. When a miracle takes place, he does it. When the dead is raised, he does it. If loaves and fishes are multiplied, he does it. Whatever it is, him, you get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, he does it. You get born again, he does it. Favor, he does it. It is the working of the Holy Ghost. So Psalms 138 and verse 8 says that he perfects that which concerns you. Say the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, when it was talking about the dispensation that we are living in, and in the Amplified, it says that we might be underneath the government of the Holy Spirit. The government of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Where the Spirit... No, no. Now listen, you want to hear something really deep? This is really deep. You got you to gotta think about this. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Spirit of the Lord is. You know, right? <laughs> Where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Spirit of the Lord is. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, is the presence of God. How deep is that? <laughs> How deep is that? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Spirit of the Lord is. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, 
the presence of God is. Amen? So if we're going to go after the Holy Spirit, then it's, it's synonymous with going after that presence. So to pursue the Lordship of the Holy Spirit is to become consumed with the very presence of the Holy Spirit. To be clothed. Hmm. Let's say this. Say the consuming presence of the Holy Spirit. Say it again. The consuming presence of the Holy Spirit. One more time. The consuming presence of the Holy Spirit. To be clothed in a greater measure in you, upon you, through you, permeating you. Hallelujah. This image just came to my mind. I don't know if you've ever seen on TV, for, you know, when the, when the space shuttle, when they would release that space shuttle, and, 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 and then and those engines start blasting, and then when they take off, you know, the fire and the power. I believe that if you were standing close enough to that, the ground would shake. I believe that the energy that comes out when they blast that stuff out of the space, you would probably be feeling it in your body. Can you imagine God being in his presence in such a way that his dynamite, his, the essence of his being is such that, 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 all, that all, everything inside of you is vibrating with his life and with his power? Have you ever seen in slow motion for instance, some athlete that is running a hundred yard dash, and when he's running, you will see his cheeks going like that. Really, have you ever seen that? The, what am I saying? I'm just I'm talking about the presence of God, the Holy Ghost, permeating you, consuming you. It is the Holy Spirit that produces the blessings, that produces the outpouring of the spirit, the outpouring of the blessings that produces the righteousness and that causes your spiritual eyes to be open, that causes the dreams of God for your life to be fulfilled. It is the Holy Spirit himself. Now let me say this. The Holy Spirit himself is the blessing. He himself is the blessing. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Jesus hung on the tree. He became that curse. Why? That the blessing, not blessings, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the spiritual faith. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. That the blessing of Abraham might come. And what happens when it comes? That we receive the promise of the Spirit. Because the promise of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He is the blessing. He is the blessing. He is the blessing. And because He is the blessing, that is why Paul would make this tremendous statement. Paul said in Romans chapter 15, verse 29, he says, when I come, I'm going to come see you guys. And he says, that when I come, he says, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. 
He says, when I come, I'm going to come in the fullness of the blessing. Let me make sure that I'm quoting that correctly. Romans chapter 15, verse 29. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Romans 15, verse 29. Paul says, but I know. Oh, that's stronger than what I was saying. <laughs> he says, but I know. I know what? What do you know, Paul? That when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing. Singular. The blessing of the gospel of Christ. What does it mean? The me Paul is going to show up with lots of riches and, and uh, does it include that? Yeah. But he was talking about he's going to come in the fullness of the spirit of the living God. Are you with me? But now the blessing is the Holy Spirit and the blessing does produce prosperity. It does produce wealth. It does produce Healing, deliverance, and all the freedoms. That's why Jesus says, seek the kingdom. Seek the righteousness. That's how the kingdom operates. And all of these things shall be added unto you. But to do all of this seeking is to go after the person, the lordship of the Holy Spirit. And all these things are added. The blessing. Proverbs 10 verse 22 says, says the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And it adds no sorrow with it. Meaning it's not based on toil. It's not based on sweat. The sweat that Adam had to earn his wages by. It's not based on that. Amen? Now I'm not saying that you shouldn't work and sow seed. But it was, it was the blessing that comes by the power of the Holy Ghost. Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 17 says that again the Lord is that spirit. And in Isaiah 48... And verse 17 and 18. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit. The Holy Ghost is the teacher. He will teach you how to profit. May he give you creative ideas that will cause supernatural increase in finances so that that would be the aspect of the power to get wealth so that you can support the work of the Lord and, ex and cause the kingdom of God to be expanded. The scripture says in Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, Do, don't forget the Lord thy God for it is he that gives you power to get wealth so that he might establish the kingdom in the earth. Every believer ought to desire to get wealth, not that he might consume it upon his own lust, but so that he may have seed to sow for the expansion of the kingdom of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So, so it goes on to say, Oh, that you would, have, would heed my commandments. He will teach us these things. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, so Jesus, going back to it, Jesus says, seek first that kingdom. Go after that kingdom. Go after that righteousness. Get a hold of how this stuff operates. Because as you do, what will happen? These things. These things that he says, don't be concerned. What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to wear? Don't even be concerned about the plan and the purposes and the destiny and the dreams that God has for you. God has dreamed that you would have an intimate fellowship and communion with him. God has a dream for certain things to be fulfilled in your life. God has a dream for you, for you to be able to live in a place where you are a sheep. You hear his voice and the voice of a stranger you will not follow. God wants you to live in a realm and in a direct 
di in a dimension where you are able to hear, where you are able to see, and all of these other things. But Jesus says, look, all of these things shall be added unto you if you will just pursue the kingdom and the righteousness. And the kingdom and the righteousness is wrapped up in pursuing the person and the lordship of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Say seek. Now in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, let me read this to you. Now, now we're talking about the seeking. And then with all of this, all of this stuff comes. All of it comes. All of it comes. All of these things. Whatever you can think that is good, it's in the all. Every spiritual blessing, it's in the all. All these things, it's in the all. Oh, glory to God. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. So listen to this, 2 Chronicles 26. Now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and they made him king instead of his father, Amaziah. And he built Elat, and he restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers, after his father died. Now Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem. And verse 4. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all his father Amaziah had done. And verse 5. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the things of God, where we got the Holy Ghost. And as long as he sought, inquired of, and yearned for the Lord, God made him prosper. God made him prosper. God made him, say God made him prosper. Amen. What am I saying? The pursuit. The pursuit. Am I okay? Here we are. The pursuit of the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This doesn't sound right. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, the grace of God. Now, understand this. Because you might be listening to this and say, well, this song like works. This song like works. This song like works. Faith without works is dead. And the scripture teaches that the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. And it teaches us. It teaches us. Teaches us how what to do. It teaches us how to develop. It teaches us how to walk in holiness and righteousness. How to live soberly before God. You see, the grace of God is multidimensional. But however, you access the grace by faith. It is a faith that it might be by grace that the promise might be available to all the seed. And faith includes works. Faith is, Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith in the earth? And that's in Luke 18, verse 8. But back in verse 1, he was saying, men ought always to pray and not faint. And then all of a sudden, then the next thing you know, he's talking about, shall he find faith in the earth? It involves faith. Obeying God involves faith. Doing the word of God involves faith. Seeking God. Prayer involves faith. Fasting involves faith. Every act that base, that has confidence in the word of what is finished is faith. Glory to God. 
So the grace of God is, but the grace of God makes all things available to every believer. In other words, God's riches, the unsurpassable riches of Christ, God's riches at Christ's expense, all of it is available to every believer. That is why it can say concerning any believer, even if he's stumbling around, God has given unto him all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That is why it would say that believer just got born again. Can't even find the book of Nahum. God says he's blessed with every spiritual blessing. God says he's a joint heir with Christ and an heir of God. God says when I give him Jesus, I give him all things. All things have been given. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of God makes all things available to you. Say but. Say but. A bigger but. <laughs> but how do you access them? How do you access them? How do you possess your possessions? How do you access the open heaven grace, so to speak? What is required of you to activate the kingdom of God that rules over all? How do you walk in the way of righteousness that produces all of these provisions that brings you into a place where you can live above sickness and disease? How do you walk in that way of righteousness delivered from death? How do you do that? How do you walk? How, do you, how can you be clothed with the person of the Holy Spirit, with the presence of God? How can you live underneath an open heaven with the blessings of the Lord, how do you do it? We know it's the work of the Holy Spirit. So how do you cooperate with the Holy Spirit? It's not by might nor by power, but it is by, your, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost does it. What's your part? And that's what this message is about. Your part is the seven keys to that open heaven. Doing them. Doing them. You got to understand them, yes. You got to hear them, yes. Faith come by, but then after you hear and you understand, there's a doing. Understanding is necessary because without understanding, you don't know how to do. And then when you don't know how to do, you're just punching at the wind, hoping that something sticks, right? And you punch it, but the target was over there. But when you understand, the scripture says in Proverbs 15 and verse 13, it puts you in position for the favor and for the grace of God. But the way of the transgressor, the one who don't understand, that doesn't know the rules, his way is hard. He bumps his head against the wall. He misses the mark. So understanding is necessary. I'm not de-emphasizing understanding. In fact, I am em emphasizing understanding. Through wisdom, the house is built. Through understanding, it becomes established. That's great, but you got to go beyond that. And you got to do, you got to take action. It is the doers of the word that are blessed. So here are these seven keys. And, and we're talking about doing them. Now very quickly. Glory to God. Let me give it to you quick in a, in a summary first. Just in case I don't get through all of them. At least you know where they are. Number one. The fear of the Lord. Number two. Love and passion for God. Number three. Obedience. Number four. Prayer, fasting, and worship. Bunch them all together, all right? Number five, humility. Number six, sacrifice. And then number seven, meditating in God's word. So that your heart could be programmed 
to think and do those first six. All right? All right. Now, all of these here, these seven keys, they all have to do with the presence and the lordship of the Holy Spirit. In other words, these seven keys are the very keys that will cause you to have, in a functional way, the Holy Spirit as Lord. And it will cause you to live in the presence of God. And I'm talking, I'm not just talking about the presence of God where every one of us is born again and the Spirit of God is in us. He never leaves us or forsake us. Thank God for that. But we're talking about more than that. So now let's break down these seven um, keys, so to speak. Number one. Proverbs, let me go here first. Hebrews chapter 12. Number one. Say fear the fear of the Lord. Father, I thank you for strengthening everyone with might by your spirit in the innermost being. So that they are you give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And you strengthen them in their innermost being and in their mind. So that they are able to capture the truth and to be able to run, to run with it. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost, let that be imparted now. And Father, I give you thanks for it is by the Holy Ghost. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28 says, therefore, since you and I have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, but that is anchored, that is solid, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Given you have this kingdom, we need grace so that what? We can serve in the fear of the Lord. In other words, you need a grace of the fear of the Lord. Is that reasonable? All right. The grace of the fear of the Lord. We have to have the grace of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, remember the kingdom, righteousness. The fear of the Lord is honoring, is honoring and respecting God, reverencing God, standing in awe of God. Remember that picture of the space shuttle? But, but God is millions times more than that. What awe would there be if you saw him? Well, capturing that in your spirit. Whew. Here was John taken up to heaven. And even when John was already in heaven, can you imagine that? He's in heaven. And you know what Jesus said to him? Come up higher. <laughs> think about that for a moment. Anyway, that's <laughs> think about that for a moment. Anyway, so it is that reverence, it's that awe of God, the fear of the Lord. And the keys. Listen to this. The keys to walk in the fear of the Lord are what? They are those same keys that we're going to be talking about. The keys to walk in the fear of the Lord is loving God. It's obeying God. It's prayer. It's praise. It's fasting. It's worship. It's humility. And it is total surrender. The fear of the Lord is the way that you have intimacy and that oneness Yes, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Yes, he's the vine and we are the branches. Yes, he's the head and we are the body. Yes, we are one. But we need to be one experientially. How does that happen? That's called intimacy. How? Psalms 25 verse 14 says intimacy. And this is, it says intimacy with God. Okay, King James. The secret of the Lord lies with them that fear him. Break it down into other versions. It says intimacy 
with God is reserved for them that fear him. If you were God, would you allow someone to be intimate and close with you and share all your secrets when they don't even respect you? When they're doubting you? You say something and they say, uh, I don't believe that. When they don't, no, no. So God says that intimacy, that closeness, I'm not going to have Judas close to me. I might even have some issues with Thomas, but I'm going to have John. I'm going to have James. Are you with me? So intimacy with God is reserved for who? For them that fear him. Psalms 25 verse 14. And then now you see, if we can live in this place with God and we are a sheep and he hear his voice and he can tell us this is the way, walk ye in it. He can open up our eyes, give us vision, give us understanding. Speak and hear, speak and hear, speak and hear, hear and see, hear and see. If we can live in that place, Oh, what victory that would be because his instructions are the way of life. Are you with me? Seeing is believing in the realm of the spirit. But is it, is it is just because you were born again that's going to happen? No, no, no. Psalms 25 verse 9 says that the meek is the one that he will teach his way. The one that is meek, the one that is humble, not the one that is filled up and consumed with himself. He will teach his way. That is the one that he will show things. That he will cause his glorious voice to be heard. Are you with me? But as for the proud, he knows them afar off. That smells. Whew. Right? That's what it says. Psalms 138 verse 6. I'm not making it up. <laughs> he knows them afar off. Oh, but guess for the but humble. But as for the humble, oh God says, I'm going to live with him. This is this man I'm going to look at. This is this man I'm going to make my dwelling place. He that is of a broken and a humble heart that I might revive him. So, I'm just saying the fear of the Lord is a master key. The fear of the Lord is this first key towards what? Towards this lordship of the Holy Spirit. To this presence of God. All right. The fear of the Lord, remember? The open heavens, here comes the blessings. Open to me the windows of heaven and I will pour you out blessings. What is the key? Fear of the Lord, that's one of the keys. Psalms 85 verse 9 says, Psalms 85 and verse, 85 and verse 9, Salvation is near to those that fear him. Salvation, soteria, wholeness, deliverance, prosperity, healing, the blessings of the Lord, the goodness of God is near, near to those that fear him. So the fear of the Lord is again, that open, that's the blessings of the Lord. So what then should we do? Man, I got to have the fear of the Lord. Well, how are you going to get it? Well, you can practice, do the word, but you can pray for it. Psalms 86 verse 11 says, Lord, unite my heart. 86, 11. Unite my heart to fear your name. And then in Psalms 34, verse 11. Teach me the fear of the Lord. Teach me the fear of the Lord. All right, now, the next five keys, loving God and, and obedience and so on. Last week, I talked about those in last week's message, which was titled, um, Four Dimensions of God's Presence. And I say that particularly for the benefits of many of those that are online right now. 
that you can go to the YouTube channel, TLMHCA, and you could go and just check it out. It's four dimensions to God's presence. So I'm not going to go into them in detail here. I'm just going to give you just a, just a, 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 a tiny little thing right, right, of it. So these are the five. Number, number two, love and passion for God. Matthew 22 verse 37 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your might, all your means. With everything you got, love God. John 14, 23, Jesus says, If a man love me, he will keep my word. And me and my father, we're going to come and we're going to make our abode with him. What does that mean? We're going to move in. <laughs> we're gonna, you're going to experience our presence. There might be someone right next to you. They might not experience it. But he says, I'm going to manifest myself to you. John 14, 21 and 23. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. It says, um, I has not seen nor has ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for them that love him. The things that God has prepared for them that love him. Now what are those things? Oh, in another place it says God is waiting. God is waiting. God is waiting to pour out his goodness on the one that waits on him. In other words, God is waiting for somebody to wait on him. Think about it. God says, I'm waiting. I want to do some stuff. But I'm just looking for that person that's going to wait on me. I'm waiting for the one that's going to wait on me, and I'm going to do these things. I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And that has to do with waiting on him. Amen? All right. Number three, obedience. Isaiah chapter 11, 1 verse 19 says, um, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat what? The good of the land. Obedience is what? It's doing God's will. It's obeying his voice. It's obeying the promptings. It is walking in the word. It is walking in the light. The scripture says, 1 John 1, 7, that when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Well, our fellowship is with God first. When we walk in the light, as he's in the light, as he is light, we have fellowship with him. Fellowship with him. Praise God forevermore. Now, and that fellowship, is that fellowship presence? Is that the presence of the Lord? Is that the person of the Holy Spirit? Yes. But now hear this. Do not limit yourself by thinking the presence of the Lord is something you feel. You got to feel some goose pimples. No, you don't have to feel nothing. Thank God when we feel something. No, I'm serious. Because otherwise you're going to, I don't feel God. Are you walking in the light? Are you submit? Are you doing so? If the presence of the Lord is there. You've got to recognize, don't let yourself think that if I don't feel something, I don't have the presence of the Lord. Amen. Number four, prayer, fasting, and worship. God promises that he will meet you where? In the secret place of prayer. In the secret place of prayer and fasting. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 91 verse 1 says that he that dwells in what? He that dwells in the, sh- in the secret place, underneath the shadow of the Almighty. That's the place of prayer. That's the place of fasting. We are talking about, we are talking simultaneously about the person of the Holy Spirit 
and the presence of God at the same time. All right? Fasting and prayer. Prayer. Entering into that place. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 and 20 says. First of all, Hebrews 4, 16. Come boldly to the throne of grace. And then it says we are having boldness to enter into the holiest. How? Through the blood of Christ. And by a new and a living way that he has consecrated for us. Through the veil that is to say is flesh. This body that hung upon that tree. We enter into that place. And in that place, God speaks. Now hear me on this one. This is so important. You see, I know I'm talking about a blessing. I'm talking about the open heaven. I'm talking about the blessings of the Lord and the person of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring and all of these wonderful things. And in the midst of it all, there is this truth. I hear it getting swallowed up and it must, I'm trying to pull it to the surface. Hearing and seeing. Hearing and seeing. Because that's very critical. And in that place of the presence of the Lord, that's where you hear. That's where you see. Psalms 16 and verse 11. We caught the part. In his presence there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Absolutely. That's great. But let's re- listen to the whole scripture. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, I will show you. I, God says, I will show you the path of life in his presence. God says, I'm going to show you the path of life. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. So where did you get to find out things? In the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Psalms 20 verse 7 says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And in Psalms 18 verse 28, God says, I will light your candle and I will enlighten your darkness. I'll cause you to see and hear. How many times do we, do we have confusion? Don't know what to do. Can't operate it because we don't see. Because we don't hear. To see and hear is an open door to the blessings of the Lord. That's one of the reasons the ministry of the Holy Spirit is in your life. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. Glory to God. Psalms 36 and verse 19. In his light we see light. Psalm 73 verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary, that's the presence of God, then I understood. Until then, man, a lot of things didn't make sense. Psalm 77 verse 13, your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. That's in his presence. Now, that's not talking about church. Thank God for church. But it's in his presence. Amen? What am I saying? I'm saying prayer, praise, worship. This arena, this key. Is one of the keys that will unlock the lordship of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in your life. And as a result, create this open heaven. Praise and worship, God says. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalms 95 verse 6 and 7 says, come. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. God seeks such to worship him in spirit and in truth. We are of the generation that have no confidence in the flesh. But we worship God in spirit and in truth. Now I'm coming into the close. I could see the runway. Number five, humility. Isaiah 57 verse 15. Thus says the the high and the lofty one who inhabits eternity. Whose name is holy. There it is. I dwell in the high and the holy place. 
with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite one. That scripture tells me that I don't care. I do care. I do care that people are might being dry and they're having a difficult time with the presence of the Lord and, be- and all of that. I get that. I understand that. That they, there might be dryness in the church and, and all of that. But I, this scripture tells me that I don't, regardless of what else is happening, you can have your own personal revival because God says, I will revive the spirit of the humble and I will revive the heart of the contrite ones. You live in this place and you could have a perpetual revival no matter what's going on. Just like Jesus said in John 14, 23, I'm going to manifest myself to you. Somebody else might not be the case. Then number six, sacrifice. Say sacrifice. Now Psalms 50 verse 5 says, Gather my saints together to me. Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. You see, God sees and God rewards your sacrifice. You know the woman that gave her a little mite. God sees and he rewards our sacrifice. Faith believes not only that God is, but that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Four, four levels of sacrifice very quickly. Number one, present your body a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. Present your body, that's number one. Number two, offer unto the Lord the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name. The sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Number three, prayer is also a sacrifice. Number four, it, it, number four is um, your money seeds. Whether it be tithes, offering, first fruits, alms, whatever the case is, your money seeds. Why? Why is that important? Why would that be important? But let me tell you why. Money represents your strength. Money is what you got in exchange. You exchange what you got in exchange for money was your toil, your blood, your hard work. You got money in, in, in return. It is almost as if this was a measure of what you worth. Now, we know you worth much more than that. But it was a type. So when you take money and you offer it to God, you are worshiping God. You are saying, this is part of my life involved here. And I'm offering it onto you. I am worshiping you. And we could find many re- references to worshiping God where money is concerned. When you tithe, when you give to God, what are you doing? You are also saying, God, I trust you. With this 10% or whatever it is, much more than I trust what's in my hand. I trust you to be my source to meet all my needs more than I do what's in my bank account and what's here in my hand. I trust you to bless me. I trust you to take care of me more than this money. That is why Philippians 4 verse 17 and 19, Paul says, look, I'm not asking you to give because of me and because of my needs, but I'm asking you to give that you might have fruit that would abound to your account. And then he goes on in verse 19. My God, my God, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8, etc., etc. Talking about giving, God says, I will cause all grace to abound towards you. That you might have all sufficiency and abound unto every good work. He says, I will increase the fruits of your righteousness. I will multiply your seed sown. So you see... Again, what is that? What, what is that? What's happening here? Blessings, blessings. 
Connected to what? Your sacrifice. Amen? Now, as I said, you do present your body and there's other elements of the sacrifice. So you're giving also, it is worship, but your giving reveals to God your faith. And it speaks for you in heaven. Can you imagine that? Oh, hallelujah. Your money goes ahead to heaven. You thought it was in that preacher's pocket or bank account. No, it's in heaven. And it speaks on your behalf. Remember Cornelius? The scripture says in Acts chapter 10 verse 4, God sent send, send, send an angel to Cornelius' house because God says Cornelius' alms and giving and his fear of God came up before him as a memorial. So God says, I need to get the gospel to the Gentiles. I'm going to start with Cornelius. Why? His money giving came up as a memorial before God. Your giving is as a memorial before God. Your giving is not to the pastor. Your giving is not to the ministry. Yes. Yes, they can use it and, and the kingdom of God can be built. But according to Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, if you give right, this is how you do it. It says you give heartily as unto the Lord, not as unto men. Knowing this, that from the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Also too, God judges your heart. By your giving. Lord, I love you. Lord, whatever, Lord, I love you. Whatever you whatever you ask of me, Lord, you got it. Lord, uh, you are my part. And then God says, Give. And then and you don't. Then God says, Yeah, you, you're saying that, but your heart is not right with me. Your heart is not in that place. So God will judge people's heart. Ah, oh, I just a nice and survivor just crossed my mind. But anyway, we're not gonna go there. God will see people's heart through their giving. And you also give, why? Because the kingdom of God is advanced. Psalms 35 verse 27 says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor God's righteous cause of preaching the gospel, preaching the poor. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. No wonder Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 Bring all the tithes in my storehouse, say the Lord. And prove me now, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven. Remember, we're talking about the heavens open. And pour you out what? Blessings. And finally, number seven. Meditate on God's word. Habakkuk 2 verse 1 says, I will sit up on the watch until I can see what he is saying. Sometimes when you hear the word of God, that doesn't mean you could see it in your heart. And you got to meditate on it. You got to think on it. You got to ponder it. You got to mutter it. You got to, you got to, until such time that that word, that promise, what God says, becomes a picture on the inside of you. Meditating on God's word is God's system to make spiritual things real. To make the unseen realm seen to you. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you forgot where the, 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 where the post of the bed was. And you stump your toe. Do you think that's a real? Somebody says, oh no, that's not real. That is a real physical experience. Ouch. You're not true. You wake up and you had a nightmare. And you have, I don't know, somebody was chasing you. Or you're falling off a cliff. And you wake up. <gasps> he said, but it's not real. That was a real soulish experience. Well, so it is. By his stripes you're healed and you have all kinds of infirmity in your body. But you meditate on that until you can see 
I'm healed. I'm whole. And in the realm of the spirit, it becomes real. And when that happens, man, you can rejoice. You can walk in faith. And, and that faith will give it substance and cause it to be made manifest. So meditating in the word of God, it says in Joshua 1 and verse 8. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but meditate therein day and night that you might observe to do according to all that is written therein, and you're going to make your way prosperous, and you're going to have good success. 1 Timothy 4.15 says, your profiting will appear unto all. All right? It will cause good results. That's it. I'm done. Let me give you a quick summary. The experience of this open heaven over your life God's dream for you being fulfilled will become more and more and more of your actual testimony as you be diligent in practicing and doing these seven keys for an open heaven. Number one, fear the Lord. Number two, love and passion for God. Number three, obedience. Number four, prayer, fasting, and worship. Number five, humility. Number six, sacrifice. And then number seven, meditating on God's word. Amen?